Hello and welcome back to episode two. I'm Andy Thomas and this is the One to One podcast. So welcome Danny to the Hi. podcast. Hi. Thanks for coming on mate. Thanks um, for me. Obviously I met you originally through bringing my son Arthur to one of your goalkeeping trainings one to ones and now I think he does a bit of your group sessions. Yep. Um, but really just want to get to the nuts of who you are, where, where you grew up um, and how you got into football and just the journey path to where you are today. Yeah, okay. Um, so firstly, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Um, so yeah, Danny, uh, Danny Sandbridge from, from Grays. Um, started playing football, I think as soon as I could stand up really. Um, I think there's photos of me as a kid. Literally as soon as I started walking, I was able to, to start kicking a ball. Started over at Grays Athletic Ball Court. I think it was about three or four. Um, coming home with loads of like sand, astro burns. Um, <laughs> the, if you remember the old Grey's Athletic Ground, there was the the little astroturf um, down the stairs where the club was. Um, started off in there, um, and it just progressed. Got to I started playing for LCD. Ironically enough, uh, really. Um, I th- yeah, I started LCD when I was probably about six or seven. Um, was out on field. We left and moved to Corrigan Athletic when I was, I think it was like nine or ten. Um, Realised that as much as I could play football, I wasn't particularly athletic. Um, went to a t- tournament where the goalkeeper had forgotten his gloves and it would just put upon me, would you mind going in goal? Went in goal, enjoyed getting dirty. Um, I've done quite well, made, made a couple of good saves. I kind of then got pushed, in, pushed into it a little bit. Yeah. It was like, right, well, you're probably not going to play as much out on pitch. Do you want to go in goal? Um, and another guy by the name of Gary Harold, um, I think played back in uh, back in the day, just talking the basics really on, on how to catch and kind of how to move your feet to a certain point. Um, was in quite a good team, to be fair. I think the, the league at the time was the, the Thundermite. I don't know if that still exists, but it was like the, a local league which we'd won. Um, was at the top of that and went to district trials in year six. Got scouted by Mill. I had this obsession from like a kid. I think at the young kid, you're always kind of eager to get scouted. Yeah. So I'll never forget. Um, it was over at Bonnygate School in Ockenden. I don't know if that's where they still do the the, uh, the trials, but I remember remember going to the district trials. It was in the first one. Um, Getting to my mum's car, she gives me a little card. Scout uh, Ray Boyle, and um, and that really started it off. Um, went over to Millwall the development side so yep. that, they had a development thing in Dagnum um, okay. there was 75 was 75 kids on this side of the water <coughs> there was me and a lad Callum Webb that got sent over Callum actually ended up going on to play for Arsenal QPR he uh, played for Ireland like, at youth level um, and I went yeah I went to Millwall to be honest quite a raw untrained goalkeeper but just a, like a, a, a natural instinct to, yeah. to it Um yeah, ended up getting signed when I was eleven. So, and that really is is what drove my career on from now because just, just pushed on, just pushed on. Just, just I spent three and a half years there with a guy called Terry Jessup, um, and just absolutely loved training. I mean, loved Millwall, absolutely loved it. I loved at the time it was the kind of no one, uh, no one likes us, we don't care sort of thing. Yes, yeah. um, but they were they were trying to do the, the, there was a lot of work going on with the community and. But well, that's it. They, they, as a club, they do have a horrific sort of reputation. Well, it, but I know through, especially now being more involved 
in football, yeah. like running Arthur's team, the, the amount they do at a, a youth level mm-hmm. in London is actually really impressive. But obviously, that ain't going to sell a newspaper. It's easy to put whatever they do wrong on the back of a newspaper, not what they do right as a club, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, there is that. There, there is that. It's, I suppose it's just one of those that it has that siege mentality. I certainly had that siege mentality when I was there, like us against them sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that could when, be a strong point, though, it, can't it? It was a strong yeah. point because whenever you said I like, play for Millwall, people would turn their nose up a little bit. But it, you liked it. it was what, I mean, you was an academy player, which kind of made you, as a kid, made you feel a little bit, and we'll kind of go on to this later, but it kind of made you feel a little bit more special because you were playing at a certain level. And the fact that it was Millwall, it had a bit of spice to it. Yeah. Um, so I spent a few years there, and then, um, unfortunately, I was released uh, under 14s, um, okay. which is a lot different to how the children are dealt with now. So back when I was released, it was a it was a phone call to my dad. My dad was at work. Um, I kind of could see it as well. Um, there was a little bit of politics that were going on. Like you could, it was clear to see that it was it was quite clicky um, with the new lad that was coming in. <coughs> um, given that I'd had a informal review a couple of weeks prior from the goalie coach um, Neil Gray and was raving about how I was getting on and then three or four weeks later I'm gone so you could see things didn't really tie up but it was literally a conversation with my dad they'd said um, essentially I would be playing down a year for the remainder remainder of the season and then they would monitor it my dad knew what they were saying so he said that's fine don't worry we'll we'll, we won't waste our time We'll, we'll move on my dad has then got to come home and tell his 13-year-old son yeah. that he's been released. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I suppose this is the real brutal part of football. And I think you've said a couple of things to me in the past, which we'll get onto later. But how do you accept that as a kid? Like what when your dad comes home and says, like one, what a shit thing for a dad to have to do. Mm-hmm. But two, how do you take that as a, was it say 14? I was 13. 13. So I was so, under 14, so I was 13. Um it's numbing, if I'm honest. It's probably numbing. Um, I've said this so many times. It's it's not just sport. Like if you if you do something to an elite level, it's the your mindset has to be so strong to be able to deal with the I suppose the repercussions of if it goes wrong. Yeah. Um, as I've gone like, grown up and obviously gone through uh, for other experiences later on in life, the only way I could really kind of explain it is almost like if, if you've ever been made redundant, it's that kind of feeling. Right. Um, I was made redundant in my second job and it's that kind of numbing feeling so someone's telling you something but you're not actually you've heard the first part and then whatever they're saying you've, you're not listening to because you're now trying to process the ramifications of what's, go- of what's happened um, so yeah I remember my dad coming home and saying that it's, it's done so I was like okay um, and as I say I absolutely I loved being there yeah, that's, so, that's the hard part, isn't it? The fact that it's not necessarily football, it's the fact you, it's well, the environment it's the, you're it's in. The envi- it's the environment. And then there is the, the other part that, and this is really h- harsh to say, but you go from being a 13-year-old boy at school that plays for an academy, and you kind yeah. of put on a bit of a pedestal for that, and then you're not overnight. And you have to go and explain to your friends that you're no longer at Millwall, for example. We're talking 13, 14-year-old boys. Yeah. They don't put arms around shoulders. Are you okay? That's then kind of mocked and celebrated that you're not because of jealousy. And, and, and I, cer- I certainly felt that. I certainly felt that uh, there was kind of a... Um, what's the right way to say this? 
it wasn't as supportive, should we say, of when when I got released. It was yeah. I'm being brutally honest, I can sort of picture myself being a thirteen. I was quite gobby at school. Um, a lot of my friends would laugh at that because I would be the one that would crack the joke. Um, but it would, you're right, 100%. If there was a kid that was doing really well for himself and he'd be like, ah, gee, so you're not that good. Like, but, but it isn't because you're trying to be spiteful. It's purely jealousy yeah. because you dare get in that environment that you're not good enough to be in. Um, but yeah, I suppose. But from your perspective, dealing with that, does it make? Did it make you stronger, or did you have a point where you thought, "I don't want to do this anymore"? Um, I think there's been points. I, I think if, if if there's any people who play, have played football to a decent standard that listen to this, I think every person would say there's been points where they've thought, "I can't do this." Yeah, yeah. And, and not just football. To be fair, because you test, you are testing yourself. You you're in an environment when you're when you go through the academy system, you're in an environment whereby every single thing you do is judged. Everything. Right. And that's very difficult for parents to watch because you can't control that. So you yeah. you take your son or your daughter to an academy. The second they go through the, the building, they're being looked at. Everything they do, yeah, how they interact with the children, how they carry themselves, how they how they uh, stand within the group, how they prepare before they train, um, even down to the way they carry themselves. If if you if you go in and you look a bag of mess it will kind of show that kind of pride in, in your work and that can filter through. Not and, and football's no different to any other any other industry in, in that regard. You just get exposed to it at 10 and 11 years old, right? Yeah. So it's so it's difficult from, from that point. But what that does, because you are used to that level of pressure or you become adapt to that level of pressure, you do get a level of mental resilience, Oops. right? The other thing that happens, with obviously, with academies is that you've got boys constantly trying to take your shirt. Yeah, so, so for example, when I got signed, I took the place of, a, of another young lad. So as much as it's really joyous for us, there's another family that have got to deal with their son being told he's being released. Yeah? yeah. And you know, it, it, this is football, so it happens to everybody. You know it's, it's going to happen to you. Um, so you do build up that kind of mental reserve. <coughs> there's also the level of dedication. In order to be at that level, you have to dedicate yourself more so than, than others would and and to be honest obviously coaching the, the amount I do the, the difference between the top and the grassroots and I suppose the academy system really isn't anything to do with ability mm. it's just the mindset it really is I was having this conversation earlier today it is about mindset um, yeah. can you do this every single week can you Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday can you perform 8 out of 10 every single week with that that builds a character. So then when you do get the knockback, I mean, I, I can remember, and I'm sure that if the kids are a coach end up listening to this, like I've 100% been where they've been, whereby school discos, birthday parties, school trips, skiing trips, for example, family holidays, missed out on all of that as a child, right? There was so much that you miss out on because I would say, dad, I want to go to this. And my dad's response would go, that's fine. Reese was the other goalie at Mill. We go. Reese isn't at that party. Reese a bit of training, and it's and that's all he'd say. Yeah. But he knew that would trigger me to be. Uh, and I've He's, come back in ten minutes. I go. I'm, I'll, I won't. I won't go. Yeah. It's enough. And I think that's what I don't feel parents realise what they're doing in terms of like we we've probably both come across that pushy. Pushy, pushy dad. I'm not saying your dad was pushy, but no. I'm just saying a pushy dad that's like, yeah, my son's going to make it at all costs. Push, yeah. push, push. They don't realise 
at a young age how much you're missing out on. Like you say, like there's, and also the mental pressure that you're putting on a young head. Like I see it all the time, like that ain't good enough. You just see kids just walking off of something that for me, they should be walking off with smiles, laughters. The result is forgotten within five minutes. They don't care because they've now found something else to play with. But you don't, you see these kids literally analysing like young as seven. Yeah. Coming off with the world on their shoulders and all the fun sucked out. So from your experience, what's the sort of fine line? What would you, if you went back, like honestly, would you go to those parties? Would you want to go skiing? Or would you now say, no, I made the right decision. Made the right it, was decision. The, it was the made dedication. The right, made the right decision. I wouldn't be talking to you here. Yeah. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have had the career that I've had. And, and don't get me wrong, I've, I've had, there's been, there have been some highs, um, there's been a lot of lows in it, but it's it's the people that I've met, the experiences, the places that you go, the fact that I've now coached sixty odd kids that all come from that sacrifice twenty odd years ago. Yeah, um, the character that I've built, I'm pretty proud of who I am. That, that all comes off of of that character that's built built then. Um, but I, I do empathise and, and and understand where. Kids do find it tough. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, if you want to achieve something, there has to be a level of sacrifice. Again, the point is, you understand that as an adult. Yeah. The point I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm making to parents, is that when your kids get to probably year, end of year five, going into year six, so they go out of the pre-academy stage and start going into where they can be signed. If they go through that route, they grow up quicker. So yeah. you lose your baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah? So the mums won't like that. The dads will love it. Yeah, <laughs> the reason I asked you that is purely because your dad asked you a question. He didn't force by what you just but, told me. He didn't say to you, "You're not doing that." No. He gave you sort of yeah, but no that's, problem. I mean, it, and it, I think it, that's a better way of parenting way of doing. and handling it rather than like I say, you see these kids come off yeah. where the the parents are just absolutely drilling into them. I think, think there's a place like, for it when it's older. I probably needed it at like. Uh, when I, and I'm talking maybe after I got released from from Dagenham, I probably needed. Uh, because I'm, at that stage, I was a man. I was I was 18. I was I was still a child, but technically I'm a man. Right? I probably needed the more verbal side of no, you need to do this, this, and this. It's like yeah, either this or you stop and yeah, you call it a day sort of thing. I probably needed that real pushy side. Um, but at a younger age, like my, and, and again, this is just knowing your children and knowing kids in, in general. You, you get an art for this is when you coach, yeah, is, is how to trigger trigger the kids differently. Yeah. My dad knew that if he'd have told me told him what to do, I would have I would have done it, but I would have probably resented him for telling me what to do. But triggering me that way, it's still the same outcome. But yeah. it, it gave me that level of discipline, and, and and it's and it's transpired the whole way through. I'm I'm thirty one. I think I've been working in insurance since I was 20. I think I've been to three Christmas parties. Because the commitment to the sport. To go training. Yeah. I don't drink. The amount of times my work colleagues say to me, like, you never drink. I don't drink. I'll have a drink between May and July. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of drink. But, 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 yeah. but I, I won't because... For me, I don't like to have excuses. So if I've if I've played poorly on the Saturday, I'd rather just say it's because I just had a bad game, not yep. because I didn't prepare correctly throughout the week. That discipline was all instilled at 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. 
your friends are going over the park, your friends are going to, to Lakeside to go to cinema, your friends are doing that, your friends are doing this. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm doing this because this is what I want to achieve. You didn't get into your 20s and your 30s. Well, you want to go drinking. That's fine. That's what you want to do. Yeah. I've got a game. It's interesting to you say that because in a parent circle, not someone that's walked through professional circles of the sport, mm-hmm. it's like you have two types of people. The ones we've already covered, the pushy ones, that, that at all costs their child's going to succeed and they don't care if the child wants to or not. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. Essentially, it seems to be a dad that was a decent footballer but didn't quite get over that line, but they're sort of living it re-through. You I have th- them sort of I characters. Think, I think you get that, but I would like to say, I also think you get some that are... They, they don't understand football. As in, they don't understand the harsh realities of it. Of and it um, the exposure to... Elite coaching at a young age is far greater than what we ever had. The facilities are far better. There's more co- uh, qualified coaches. Yep. Yeah, so in order to be able to get your child um, proper tuition in, in, in this sport, it's more available. We learn, I, I say this often, I learned in, in, in the ball court at Black Shots. Yep. Yeah, playing two touch with my friends. Yeah, we had yeah. the cage. You played, you, played, you played in the cage. Or you played two touch against the ball. And if your touch wasn't good, you got to go and get the ball. So you made sure it was good. Yeah. Obviously, you've now got a lot of coaches that can really get into the kids at five and six, right? And when we say about the pushy parents, if your child loves football, right, and, I, and, I, and I'm going to argue this, there is, if your child loves football and they train four times a week, okay, that is no different than if your child does swimming, kickboxing, absolutely, cubs, and then football. The point is, is and, it, and obviously it has to be child-driven, but if they say, Dad, I just want to play football, then... So this is what I was going to sort of, we've, we've basically both heading in the right place here. So there's also, I was going to say, they've got that side and you've got the other side of parents, which are like, oh, they play too much. Oh, they do this, that. Now I can only talk from Arthur. Mm-hmm. If I let, if I don't take Arthur training, Arthur's in the garden and the biggest argument we have in my house, it's too cold to go outside. You can't go outside. Yeah. He just wants to go and kick a ball. He don't care. What is I can give him multiple choices of different activities, different things to do. So it's not that I'm as a dad only taking in football. Even Lauren will say, like, we'll take you lakeside, we'll take you ice skating, we'll take you to the theme park. Yeah. No, I just want to play football. We booked a holiday to Mallorca all around the facilities for children. Uh-huh. He didn't use any of them. He went in the pool a handful of times in a week, didn't use the kids' club, uh-huh. didn't use the kids' pool, just kicked a ball. Yeah. And I just think that, well, just let them be. But then you hear other people, no, I don't let them do that. I'll, I'll let them do this because like, they're only young once. This. So there, what my point being is, is the question to you is, there is a fine line of getting it right, there but is. there's probably more damage to kids playing football by people withdrawing them because they think they do it too often. Yeah, I would just... I mean, it's different different generations as well. I mean, you look at, at now, if they want to go out and play football, let them play football because... In a couple of years, you're going to be trying to get them out of the house off the PlayStation and Xbox. Yeah. Right? So if they want to go and play, let them, let them come and play. Um, it. I was, I mean, they're saying something like the the, the ten thousand hours of practice makes you a master of that that skill. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the. We talk about elite. I mean, most of these kids, they'll look at they they're obviously earning Harlan at the moment, but they'll look at Messi, Ronaldo, and 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 the real greats. They have put in the groundwork from young, yeah. and I'm pretty certain they would have had a parent, or it's either, well, I mean, Messi's family upsticks and moved to, 
to Barcelona for this. So yeah. you can't tell me that they weren't fully on board or, or they let their son go. You've got a lot of players that uh, at elite level that kind of come from adversity and it's all ticket out. So they've got a work ethic to, to kind of pull themselves away from the struggles, right? Yeah. But they're doing this stuff every single day. Um, and in, 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 in goalkeeping specifically, like, I just like playing catch. I know that <laughs> sounds, great, great way to look at it. I know, I know that sounds silly. Yeah. So I, I would drive my mum and dad mad because I'd be in, in my bedroom just throwing a tennis ball against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've had lads come in with us at Grays in the first team and we fired a ball in quick. Like most like seniors do, you, the ball's probably travelling between anywhere between 60 to 80 mile an hour. You're doing repetition after repetition and you can get some of the young ones can get overwhelmed by the power and then their stance might change or they'll stiffen up a little bit. You're just playing catch. Yeah. Just really quick. If and you it, could take it that and it takes the pressure out of it, go back to being a little boy and having fun. But it goes back to that men mental side where you said earlier the difference between the, the high-end grassroots to the is the mentality and being it, able it, to... And it is. Like you said, you've just adapted your brain to think I'm a child and I'm playing catch rather than I'm under pressure. If I drop the... like uh, My difference between you and me, I'd be like, if I drop this next one, they all might laugh at me. Like that's the I've, mentality I've, difference. I mean, you know I've, what I've I mean? been in situations like that, but you you grow. So like, so a couple of situations I've been. I, I train when I was at Whitham as a. Oh, I would have been at Whitham. I was probably nineteen twenty. So I, I was at Dagenham and Redbridge as a white tier. Obviously got released by Millwall. I went on trial at West Ham straight after, it, and it was the complete, a proper club. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a complete <laughs> wrong time. Complete yeah. wrong time. It was an absolute car crash. Like car crash. Um, couldn't catch, just just don't know why. I just could not catch the ball. Yeah, and it was, and I, I was probably too te uh, too tense. And I remember I played a game at home against Fulham. Come on, because you obviously didn't call. As I came on and got dragged back off, I knew then I was asked me done. I was fourteen. I was absolute torrid. Um, come out of there. Um, went to Southend and Colchester, um, and it didn't pan out get to the end of year, uh, year 11 and we wrote off 92 CVs sent them to every football league club I got two responses and one was Dagenham and Redbridge um, I played in a trial game for Dagenham played half an hour and got signed off the back of that did a two year scholar and that again gave me the next the next life nice. um, I've done really really well in that it's just I suppose timing and ultimately I, I probably wasn't I'm ready for a club like Dagenham. Yeah, at that at that sort of level, you need to be ready. What, what sort of league would they have been at the time? So when I was at Dagenham, they was in League Two. In my first year, got promoted into League One, um, which was unbelievable. Um, and then they got relegated in the in the second year back into League Two. They were very unlucky. They went down on the last day. Um, Tony Roberts was the first team goalkeeper, uh, but it was a weird setup there because Robbo was coaching at Arsenal, so Robbo was in there every day. Uh, other than on a Friday, so we come in and do shape work. So it was me, Chrissy Lewington, and a guy called Dave Hogan, with no goalie coach, right? right. Because I don't, it, yeah, the budget didn't go that far. The budget didn't go that far, yeah. so we worked ourselves. So I, I learned off of a, it's mad to think now. I learned off of a, I was I was seven, 16 to eighteen. And I was learning off a twenty five and twenty six year old who were still learning the game themselves and not playing. They're playing. Well, Hogs wasn't playing, and Chrissy was playing. Um, the the reserve games and we get to the end of it Robbo then goes into Arsenal full time 
and then he sent back James Shows now at Luton. Um, Shows has had an excellent career in the Football League. He sends back James Shay on loan. So you've got Chris and Shazy. So it's like two two lads in their twenties. Shazy's played for I think it was Ireland, Northern Ireland or Ireland at the time. They played international football. And I'm an eighteen year old kid that's only ever played eighteen football. So it was like you need to go out into non league and create your your pathway there. So I'm very fortunate that a friend of mine played for a team called Whitham Town that were in the Essex Senior League, um, under Gary Kimball. Gal brought me in purely because the fact I could kick it 70 yards straight. Yeah. Obviously, if you know Dagenham Redbridge under John Steele, it was very regimental. I love. I absolutely loved it. I, I, I loved that, learning that style. It was about, these are the rules, these are the principles. Everybody knew those principles. Um, the average football fan would say it's, it's long ball, but it was, it was, there was a lot of method towards it and they basically ground teams down. So I, I enjoyed learning that. A lot of the old school managers in non-league played that way because that's how it was played in the nineties. Yeah, old school football. It was yeah. So Gal, Gal Kimball, we had a, a, a big forward, Rob Whitnell. He said, "I want you to hit wits." So what I want you to do. So and it was it was brilliant because I was at the time I was probably just just eleven and a half stone, like dripping wet. So <laughs> I just I'd have got blown over in the wind, let alone like <laughs> any physical challenge. So. Um, but it gave me a real understanding of men's football um, and some of the harsh realities there. Um, and one of the coaches had a link at West Ham. So we go in, I go into West Ham, do a little bit of training and uh, I'm going to name drop here, but there was one particular session. They go, oh, we need some goalies over uh, Chad Belief. Well, we was at Little Leaf, which is where the 80s and 23s were. He goes, we need some over Chad Belief. So we go over there and out comes Neskalina, right? So... My favourite goalies as a kid were like, I idolised Kudicini, Yaskalina, yeah. Shay Given, those sorts of those sorts of goalkeepers. I absolutely idolised. So he comes out, like, hello, I'm UC. I think I know full <laughs> well who you are, mate. <laughs> and then Marge comes out, Martin Margerson, and I'd never met Marge before. He's now the England goalkeeper coach. <laughs> so if you see the volleys and the strikes off the cone. They're like, I can first hand say I've never had someone hit a ball at me so hard. <laughs> so I watch Yusi do his first 10 and they're clean. Like, every single one's perfect. He's like, right. I remember clear as day, like, right, in you go, kid. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like that same sort of feeling. I'm like, and I'm like okay, I'm 18. I'm like, he's going to break my nose. <laughs> so he's hit this ball, caught it clean with my eyes closed. Open them, like, oh my God, I've caught it. And I had a really good session. It's easier when you get older. It's a long way of going around this, but it's easy, easier when you get older to say we're just playing catch and not get embroiled into the scenario. Yeah. But that's what we were doing. Yeah, just, it's just breaking it just down, isn't it? hitting it at 80 mile an hour. But the older you get, the more experience you get, that level of nerves you can really kind of park or learn how to yeah. to use those to your, to your benefit rather than overwhelm you. To get around it all. Yeah. Know. So... How did you end up? So where where did the process go from Dagenham Redbridge? Obviously, you went off to Whitton. Yep. And then where where has it gone? Because you, so you've been at Grays quite a while now, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, Grays a while. So um, so I was at Whitton. Um, I played over two hundred games there. Won the senior league. Got into the Ryman, as it was then. Made the playoffs the first year. Got into the second year. Um, and we get on really well, really well now. Me, me and uh, Gary Kimball was the manager. But at the time, I was probably. I'm quite headstrong anyway, but I was a 20-year-old, headstrong little 
pain, to be honest, probably. Um, and uh, it brought somebody else in. Um, I then moved the following week to Haybury Swifts. And I played over two spells. I played over 200 games there. So I've done 205, 205 games there. I had a spell at Malden in between, which was horrendous. Um, which is probably at that point the closest I've been to calling it a day. Yeah. Um, just with it was just a complete wrong move from start to from start to finish. You, you're trying to I went now, got injured straight away. You're trying to make it work, and you just it just couldn't. Like, and then I'm making mistake after mistake, and I'm getting anxiety before games. Like in my sleep, I'm dreaming about making mistakes. Then the next day, I'm making mistakes, and then you're not getting spoken to. You're not even getting acknowledged. You yeah, know, you know. You suppose you overthink that then you as do, well. You like that. You, you talk to me because of this. Yeah, you get paranoid. You're getting in the dressing room and like football. Like it's pretty clear when you when you when you're done. You know, especially in non-league, it's pretty clear. Um, and I and I always say this to, to kids I coach. If the coach is talking to you, yeah, and he's on it, you that's not a bad thing. It means he's invested. It means he cares. When they stop talking to you, they've given up. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So. In terms of obviously you've you've been at Grace now, like you say, for quite a while. So in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, which would you started the coaching? coaching? So the coaching started first lockdown. Right. So I I I tried to coach back in the day, um, but I ended up getting a job in London and kind of it fell to the wayside. And I've always enjoyed I've always looked at the game differently. I've always looked at it from a coach's perspective. Yeah, I was going to say, what what made you take always, that to step? To be honest, I've actually, want, I've actually wanted to be like a, I wanted to be a manager since I was about ten. Like, <laughs> genuinely, but people play FIFA, I play football manager. <laughs> yeah. yeah, always, and, and I can remember being at parties and st- like family parties and talking the game about the game tactically. Uh, one of the things when I was on trial at Millwall, I remember this uh, Ipswich, when we played at Ipswich away. Fred Dillon was the manager, and he, he pulls out the um, the tactics board. When I signed for Millwall, I signed the year above myself. Right, so okay. I did two years at twelves. So the first, we're going in and doing this this phase of play, um, and he says, "What? Well, where are we struggling?" And bear in mind, I'm on trial. I stepped forward and moved the ball about, and said, "Well, because of this." And he was like, "Yeah, like, that's bang <laughs> on." I'm I'm 11 years old, so I've always thought of it like that. As I got into um, mid twenties, I kind of realised that my opportunities to try and progress in non-league were limited. Um, and there's various reasons to to, uh, to do with that. One of the main reasons is no, no goalie coach. No goalie coach from 16 up to 25. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and it's probably the most pivotal part as a young goalkeeper to to really have that influence. Um, so I thought, well, like I said, I don't like excuses. So I was like, well, I'll just I'll just grab hold of this myself and let's just let's just start to to start looking at it. How can I do things that are going to help me? I didn't sign for Coggleshall. Um, and there was a goalie coach there, Jordan Alston. It was my first real experience having a well, class as a coach, not just a trainer, as in someone who just kicks balls at you. Yeah. So me and Jordy got on quite well. And then um, Coops approached me just before the playoffs. I don't know if I should say that, but just before the playoffs, <laughs> Coggleshaw, sure, Coops approached me said, would you consider... I'm not editing it out either. Yeah, no, no. He said, um, would you consider signing for Greys? I'm like, one million percent, like... To be honest, he probably wouldn't want to hear this, but he could have offered me whatever he wanted. I would have, I would have joined because it's, it's Gray's Athletic. Um, but a big part of that is I wanted my one of my probably one of my best friends, Dan Tippett, to come in with me. Now Dan's a goalie coach himself. We speak every single day. I probably do his heading because I'm on him all the time. Um, 
in the first season was good. We had me, him, and a, and a lad called Connor Pierce. But there's always like, there was frustrations, lack of equipment, lack of space, lack of this and that, whatever it was. And I just thought I'm I'm sick of saying that there's an excuse. Yeah. And then we got went into lockdown, come back out, and I needed a football fix. So I borrowed. I got a friend, Scott Allison, that coaches at Norwich. Um, Scott had some spare footballs and some some cones. I literally put a post out, it was the June or July 2020, I put a post of me making a save, just said one-to-ones. I think Jack Hill was the first goalkeeper I ever coached. Um, he's still with me today. Yeah. Started off with one goalie, then got to um, four or five, and I thought, from a financial point, I thought, oh, this, this could cover the shopping, but we're. Um, yeah. That's ideal. Um, and then we're now at 60-odd goalies. In that's, that's incredible. Three years, so... It's incredible, but I say it's incredible because it, how quick you've grown that. Yep. So for anyone starting anything, regardless of the subject, it's always. But for me, it's it's I can understand why. After I say Arthur comes, I sit and watch. I've also done a bit of filming with some of your classes and stuff, or like um, what do you call them? Like sessions. Group, group sessions. Group sessions. Yeah. So sessions. I can understand. I can see one how you are yep. um, with the boys. The two, the understanding. There's there's different things you do, like you say. Some might class it as punishment when they're, they're misbehaving or not listening. But yeah. when I've spoken to you and you've said to me, Andy, I get them to do that because there's a reason. So it's not like it's a, a good environment. Yeah. Um. I like sending Arthur. He loves going in goal. He won't play in goal with, a, with yeah. a, He likes he likes the glory. He's, he's beginning. Yeah. He likes the glory of scoring a goal. Yeah. However, the discipline levels that he gets from coming to that session. And what he takes away from it is making him a better player. Regardless if yep. he's using the goalkeeping technique or not, he's got the mentality of training mm. hard. So that's why I'm going to say, and if, I'm sure as all the other parents will sing your praises in terms of what you do with them. And you can see the older boys, the banter that you have, it's like a mate as well as a coach. So you're building something pretty good or special for people like myself to bring our children and like you say, if there wasn't that element of coaching around and you could go all the way to a certain age without even getting any real... I'm not being funny, you're saying you said Dagnum, you didn't even have one. So, so it just shows you the lack of, of, of the like the sport. It's a difference. I mean, goalkeeping is a different sport within the sport, right? And, and I always give this analogy when people find up and inquire. My brother, not into football at all. Yeah. Right? My brother's into music, Once, um, plays a guitar. My brother could have learned music at school, mm-hmm. but he wouldn't have learned the guitar to the level he knows. So in order to learn the guitar, my dad had to pay for private tuition, yep. guitar lessons. You will learn football and you'll understand roughly what a goalkeeper does, but you understand goalkeeping. It's a completely different art within that sport. Um, in terms of like what, what I've tried to create, like obviously from my own background, I'm very particular in terms of the professionalism, I want things done properly. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, even down to each little detail, the footballs we use, right? I won't use cheap footballs mm. because I wouldn't want to train with cheap footballs. So if I wouldn't want to train with it, why would I expect a six-year-old to train with the same thing? I want them to have the best. Yeah. yeah. I want to put them in the best environments. I want to create the best, I want, I want them to train on the best facilities where we can afford it. I want them to train with the best equipment and have all of this stuff. And almost like my own children, spoil them as much as I can. But that comes with a trade-off in that you now need to work to earn the right to have this stuff. Yeah. Yeah? 
if you want to use this, I need to trust you. So, for example, and I've used this before. We've got, and there's a few schools out there. We've got one of the one of the ball launchers. That ball launcher can send it up to, I think it's up to 80 mile an hour. But for their age, you're looking at 50, 60, right? For some of the older boys. And I'm saying like you, it's a toy. It's a gimmick at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So you don't. That's not your session. You do 45 minutes of your session, and you go right. Boys, do you want to have a little go on the, on, the, on the toy? If you're not clean through that session with your hands, how do I trust you're not going to be clean with me using this machine? Yeah. So you've got to focus. You've got to be to be on it. Um. And the one, one of the things we do, so we we have the groups. And the groups are kind of set to a certain point, um, and that's obviously of age and 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 whatnot. But if I've got a lad that comes in or, or a girl that comes in, and nines to elevens, they might be in five six weeks. I might throw them into the group above, and it'll scare the life out of them, right? And, and they all well, we'll do the same thing. They go silent, right? Because they're nervous. But all of those kids that are in the group above have had the same thing done to them. Yeah. So they put their arms around them, get them involved, get them included. So now, from a social point, you could have a nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid who's in primary school who is training with kids that are in secondary school. Some of those kids go to a secondary school where your child will go to. So when your child goes to that big school, they already know people above them yeah. that can kind of look after them when they're in that school it's less daunting because they're friends from from, from a, a goalie school but they see how those kids work so they take it the next week they go back to the normal group they take that work ethic and apply it to their group Yeah. so what happens is the, the, the professionalism it starts in the top group and ironically enough one of those boys in the top in like the, the, the later groups say top because that's probably not the right term but the, the 8 o'clock group and that's probably because of age one of the boys there trains with me at Grey's Athletic. Last season, I had two of the boys there. They're now too old to train with us, but they train with Grey's Athletic. So they see how I train. They then take that to my sessions when I'm coaching, and then it filters the whole way down to the babies that are six years old at five o'clock. Yeah. And it again, you can see that. Like it, what, what I like is the fact that you're thinking of them children. Mm. You're not thinking of it like, as much as you said like, oh yeah, I started it and it might pay for the shopping or whatever. That's, that's for me, I see that as gone. It's now, like, oh, how can to, I make to, these to be the honest. best of the ability? Um, and I see the investments you're putting. So from, from seeing the logo changing to the, and I love the fact that they all rock up and they're all in yeah. their tracksuits and they all look smart and yeah. it just, it's a brand, it's big and it's an investment. But what, forgetting all that, it's the fact that your first foremost is those children like that. You're not just thinking about oh, while they're under my control, but for an hour in a in a, in a session, a big, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a big, how they're going to be at school. How they, it, it's there's a big difference. A lot between, of care. There's a big difference between a goalie trainer and a goalie coach. Yeah. And to be honest, like like I said at the start, it was like because I never knew this was going to take off. Right. I, I I I knew I could coach, but there's some good goalie schools out there that you're competing against. Technically, yeah. Yeah. But you didn't really know. So that's when I said that about it was almost like, oh, if this can pay for the shopping, then, then it's almost justifiable to 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 be to away from my, and to be, to be away from my own children. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, to, to be able to do, um, and that's the tough part that all coaches, whether it's paid or unpaid, sacrifices their time with their own kids because you you don't get that back. Yeah. Um, but because you've got children, I think it makes if you've got. I do think it makes you a more relatable coach because especially at the younger ages. I can remember when I very first started this and I'm, I'm kind of, 
I had a couple of boys and, and some were doing well, some had pushed on to certain clubs and, and early successes. Yeah, One boy was signed by Millwall, one boy got signed by um, South End, another one signed by Colchester. It was like, oh, we're on, we're on fire, this sort of thing. But that was like real, like the, at the real start. And I, and I had a group, and it was the five to, sorry, it was the five to seven-year-olds. And I was doing a session, and one of the kids went, he did the Bluey theme tune. Yeah, da, 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 da. And I'm like, my son watches Bluey. <laughs> and then, you st- and then it, like, it just clicked. I was like, you're here dressed up as a goalie, trying to be a goalie, which I love. But you're a six-year-old boy. Yeah. Right? Like, in a minute, you're probably going to turn around and do a cartwheel. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Or do a Spider-Man action. <laughs> yeah, whatever it may be. And I don't want you to stop doing that. I don't yeah. care that you do that. All I'm asking is when you're in the goal, just do what I ask. When you get when you get to 10, 11 and 12, when I said that earlier, when football starts to turn, yeah, then we can come on, you can't really be doing that now. But if you're six years old, and, I, and I, I've, got, I say, I've got my own kids, and I know what parents are like, you, you can see your son or daughter there, and you think, pay attention, pay attention. It's like, listen, they're with me. They're they're fine. When And then, like, you then get six, seven weeks in, and you start getting the videos come from the chat and the pictures of how well they're doing. And you're like, I told you this would happen. Like, yeah, it's, it's just a process. It's got to be, a, like you say, a buzz in it. Yeah. I suppose they're that reward, isn't they're it? They're not at school. Yeah. Like I say, one of the other things I say to them as well, like, like you're not at school. I'm, right? I want you to copy. You're not going to get told off <laughs> if you copy. If you've got a boy or a girl there that is better than you at doing something, copy what they do. That's all I did. Yeah. I grew up and one of the boys at Millwall was in the England setup. Well, I thought, well, he's better than me, so I'll just copy what he does. Because he's obviously doing it right. Yeah. And it, yeah, no, it's, and like I say, it, that, that comes through just standing on the sides watching just from, I love it. Like, be honest. I'm, and I was absolutely blown away by some of the talent that you've, you're, you're coaching. Like, I was, it's weird, isn't it? Because you don't know what to expect. Because I know nothing about goalkeeping. I've done one one to one where you said to me and Lauren, come a bit closer because I yeah. want you to hear what I'm saying to him so yeah. you can teach him at home. Yep. Yeah. Um, or encourage him to keep practicing at home, and it blew my mind. I was like, I'm forty. I didn't know that. Like, and I went round telling everyone. I went, Yeah, did you know <laughs> when you dive, <laughs> you got to do this angle, that? Like, it blew my mind. And I think my point being is, is there's so many coaches out there that dads that take over football teams that are going to be like me. They know absolutely nothing mm-hmm. about goalkeeping, yet we're they're the quickest. I've always said this: Arthur can go up pitch or the yeah. other, some of the other boys score 10 goals and they're a hero but they could have missed 30 easy opportunities the poor sodding goal has a little roller going because he's lost concentration for two minutes and all of a sudden it's like we lost because of this that not because of the misses we've lost because this person just let this one goal in yeah. like uh, and even even that I know it sounds silly but we've lost why is group exactly under sevens under eights it's, 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 it's non-competitive exactly but it's but, but and, that's and the that's wrong. the concept. I, I understand. You should play to win. You should do everything you should do. You should do to your best to try. Yeah. So you shouldn't just turn up. You should just you should give the best account of yourself. I understand that. But if I asked you where does your goalkeeping knowledge come from prior to coming with us? Yeah. Yeah. Where where have you or your influences? You say Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher. Yeah. <laughs> Are they goalkeepers? No. How many goalkeepers give punditry? On match, uh, on on match of the day I've, or on Monday I think night. I've seen Shay given a handful Shea of times, Gibbon. but Rob, that's about Rob, it. Rob, Rob Green, Rob Green, has done the best one. But let's be honest, how many of you actually want to listen to it? Yeah. Uh, let's let's be brutal about it, right? So so then what happens is you get to a game, and you're trying to 
explain things, say things to the goal to the goalkeepers, which are fundamentally wrong. Like fundamentally yeah. wrong. Some of the stuff that, that I hear being said. Uh, there was a post on Facebook recently. I think it's kind of been shared in, in various groups and whatnot. And, and what people, what, what coaches, what parents need to understand, goalkeeping. I say this that it isn't that difficult in its simplest form, right? You have various types of situations that are going to occur. So you're going to deal with a shot centrally, right, in and around the box. You're going to deal with those. You're going to deal with shots on the angles. You're going to deal with a one v one situation where someone's been slid through, and it might be on the angle, it might be straight. You're going to deal with corners. You're going to deal with crosses. In possession, you're going to have to either play short or you're going to have to kick it long. And you might have to do that under pressure, right? So there's probably about eight to ten types of situation. And the picture might alter slightly. Yep. You have to see that picture time and time and time again and get it wrong over and over again before you get it right. Yeah. Right? Because if I... Keep if I if I stay on my line on a one v one and he scores every time, then staying on my line is the wrong is the wrong solution. It's the wrong action. If I just come flying out like as if I'm playing FIFA and the goal is just running aimlessly, right, and they keep scoring, then that's not the right action either. So there's obviously the technical part. That's where the coaches come in. It, in this situation, this is how you do it. Let's try and remember it. And like I say to the to the kids as young as six, when they get frustrated about mistakes. I ask, are you any good at maths? Regardless of whether they are or not, I don't really care. But I'm, yeah. are you any good at maths? Right. When the teacher gives you the, the, the equation, do you get it right straight away? Yes. Okay. Do they ask you to put your working out? Yeah. If you get it wrong, what do you need to go and do? And I need to work it out. This is no different. Yeah. It's no different. Work out, I've conceded a goal. Why? Okay, so that doesn't work. So if it's a 1v1 and I keep going into a block shape, for example... But I keep getting beat. Well, is your head too up? Is your chest is your chest twisting? Are your arms in the right position? Is the gap between your knee and your and your foot close enough so you're not getting nutmegs? Are you going down too early? Are you doing it too late? But you, you then go into a session with us and we go right. We're going to do this for an hour. You're going to do this sixty times in this session. So when you go to Sunday, you can go. I made sixty. Oh, I made out of sixty. I made thirty five block saves. So you're ready. Yeah, it's it's both, and that's where it was leading me on in terms of what would be really good because there's going to be people that listen to this um, that are involved in football um, in terms of being a parent like me, mm-hmm. and even me getting that message and what I can take back. What is the best advice you can give anybody that's running a team with the goalkeeping? Because it is you see it on all these all these Facebook groups, and I've even said it to yeah. you. Dan, I need a goalkeeper. <laughs> I need a goalkeeper. But what is the advice you can do to, in terms of that position or if there's a kid that's showing interest, but yeah, okay, they might not be the most confident. Like, what's the message that can go out to these people to be literally like, come on, and, and make this yeah. salute, this, you know, this mindset that, there, that's around, yeah. how can we start to get rid of it? So there, there, is, there is this stigma attached to goalkeepers that we're, we're different, right? That we're wired differently. And we are. We are wired differently because, firstly, it's not normal to spend 20 years diving on the ground, <laughs> yeah? And it's not normal for your fingers to face in different directions <laughs> and, and getting battered. But it's even less normal to put yourself in a situation where if a goal goes in, everybody in that field blames you. Everybody, yeah? yeah? Regardless whether... Or you turn around and every single person has a negative reaction as soon as that ball hits the net on your team. 
that is tough to deal with. Again, kind of going back to earlier about mindset. You have to be a certain character. Goalkeeping is about not making mistakes. You can't go and express yourself as a goalkeeper. You, yeah, it's a reaction. It's a reactive position. You can take proactive um, stances to try and maybe cut cut through balls out or come and take crosses aggressively, but you're reacting on an action from an outfield player. You, in, when they're in the goal, you've kind of got to allow for mistakes, allow for them to. Um, to to kind of get it out of their system. Um, when you get into the car, whether it's a parent or a or a coach, and if they've got if they've got coaching, if they're being coached by a goalkeeper coach, you know, first, firstly, you know what they're doing wrong, mm-hmm. right yourself. If your child is being coached, they know when they've made a mistake. They do not need you to tell them, yeah. right? Because all that does is put fear in them. I can't get the goalie to come off his line. I can't get the, they won't come out because they're scared. Because it's a safety blanket, right? Yeah. But you don't realise actually they'll concede less if they f- if they defend the space in behind than stand on their line. I'm 31, I still do the same thing. Yeah, at times. If you're having a bit of a mare, you look at goalkeepers in the Premier League, right, that are struggling, you see how many crosses they come for. They won't because they'll say root because they don't want to make a mistake. Yeah. Right? It's so a good way of thinking about this, right? You've yeah. got to give them love all of the time. Right, and it might be hard. They've cost you a game, right? And then, okay, at the old ages, I understand that if you're county cup semi final and all your team and you've tried everything to get there, and then the goalie chucks one in, but you're going to have this goalie for the next year, so you can go one or two ways about this, right? You can either destroy him, or you can help him and get a better uh, version, right? You've got to give them love and trust me. I've made some of the mistakes I've made. <laughs> I mean, they're shockers, <laughs> right? Um, can we, find, can we find them on YouTube? You can, yeah, there is one. There is one. I mean, I, I, I played my, my biggest game was at Exeter away. So I spent my whole career trying to play in the FA Cup, get to the FA Cup first round proper. We're in step four. Exeter are top of League Two. We go away to Exeter. We're on the BBC. Um, we batter them in the first half, right? They get booed off. We go 2 0 down in the second half, down to, um, down to like, individual like, set pieces we just got you're playing against elite athletes like these blokes don't move like, if you're trying to move them they, they're just so strong we get 2-1 there's about four, three or four minutes left ball goes out wide on the angle Jaden Stockley hits one and it, professional so everything I hear is, is driven yeah yep. but I'm already looking as he's hit it I'm thinking this is a routine pickup, like scoop and I'm thinking right we're in here I'm, we're going to counter and I didn't catch it. It went straight through my hands, through my legs, Taibi esque. Yeah, yeah, into the goal. Three and a half thousand people, and you look up and you're like, oh, it, what, I've waited my whole life for this. <laughs> I actually found it really difficult to recover from that mistake, but that's because I never had a goalie coach. I didn't have the, the, the feelings of going into the dress. It's an elephant in the room. Like you're going to dress. I know what's happened. Mm. The boys didn't feel awkward to saying anything to me. The manager's kind of like, oh, don't worry too much. But I can tell like, he, he, he he knows I've killed him. But then what happens is that the following weeks, so like, please don't make a mistake, please don't make a mistake. And then you put yourself in positions that you're not making mistakes, but then you're not being proactive in, in the game. If you've got a right support around you that can go, don't worry about that, keep playing, keep doing this, it'll be fine, you can recover quicker. And that 
that doesn't matter whether you're in your mid-20s or if you're seven or eight years old. Yeah. So, well, I've never seen it. I might look it up just to have a look. Not to say to Mickey, no, no, but no, just, just it's to, only because of the purpose of the story. But um, what that tells me is I would personally encourage anybody that I know that if their child is dead, like decided that they're going to be the goalkeeper of their team or whatever, then it is paramount that they can have an environment like yours yeah. um, where they can come after their game on a Sunday on one of the sessions where they've got that security to be like, what happened in your game? Because I know there's a lot of parents will talk and say, so you're already aware before your one of your sessions starts of how that child's game's gone on for weekends. I need to know as coaches, and this is just, this isn't just for, for the guys that come to effective goalkeeping. There's other, there's other schools out there and I'm sure they'll, they'll say the same. Let the coaches know, let, let them know yeah. what has happened. We're, and this is the difference between a goalkeeper coach and a goalkeeper trainer. A trainer will turn up, they'll hit volleys at you, they'll get you to go through cones, you'll do your mid-dives, your low-dives, you'll, you'll make saves on the air and goal, they'll do the multi-shot drills. The, the, as I say, there's not that many actions. It's just, yes, it is, you, can't keep, you can't reinvent the wheel over and over again. Mm. It's the same sort of stuff. It's, coaching is how you deliver it. So you'll get goalie trainers that will do that for an hour and then you won't speak to them again. Coaches are different because there's a bond, there's a relationship between you, the parent and the child. You're, you're there to support. So if your son has or daughter has played well at the weekend, tell tell me because I'm going to hype him up when I see him. Yeah. Uh, when I see him, um, like the ones on the mon on Monday just gone. Yeah, those kids have got uh, player of the match. I was all over them, right? Yeah. The ones who have had a bit of a stinker as they, as they, as they come in, depending on again, this is how you, you need to learn the children. Some you might banter, yeah. So Jack Jack, I'll say his name, Jack Abbott, who's um, probably my, I would say my biggest success in coaching. Um, he played uh, Sunday and had a beast, had a torrid, right? So he turns up and I go, play well Sunday. And he's looking at me and I went, had a st stinker, didn't you? And he's like, yep. Yeah. I was like, what did your dad say? And we're, we're laughing about it, yeah. yeah. I was like, no, but on a serious one, and we went through what, what you should have done. And that session was designed... The others got benefit from it because they still needed it. But that session was designed to get that out of Jack's system. Yeah. Right? So, and that's the mo that's what my point is. Yeah. That's the so most it, important that's to that environment. It's it like, right, we're going to do this and we're now going to do it for an hour because that wasn't good enough for what you've set. Um, but there could be some kids that c don't respond like that. So you put your arm around and you go, right, struggle at the weekend. Yep. Tell me about it. How did you feel? Because you want them to be able to articulate yourselves. And you go, okay, well, I'm going to do this for you tonight. Really pay attention and listen to me, and this is this is how it's going to work. It's the same; you get the same outcome. It's just different approaches, but you get that from the environment and and everything else. Yeah, and that to me warrants that whatever the fee is for the sessions and stuff like that, that tells me you're getting more than just someone telling you the, a, a technique on how to save it. Like for me, I look at it as if that was half of the goalkeeper, um, and he didn't play on pitch. Say, for example, from my son's perspective, he comes off. I might be like, oh, you could have caught that one or you could have done that one. Like, I'm not really... And that's me being honest yeah. because that's my fault because I don't understand. Um, I'm doing more damage than good and I know that, but that's going to be the first thing off my tongue, right? So we can get home, go home. What would be reassuring to me as a parent yeah. that my then son is going into an environment with a load of other children that all understand the feeling he's felt, the mistake he's made... And there's going to be a group there to help 
correct it. And, and that's the other what point. I think people need to, like, I'm just saying from other parents, they need to see yeah. that the fee that they're, they're sort of saying, oh, well, it's, I don't know, let's say something, because I don't know how things add up with different yeah. classes. People are like, oh, it's another fee for a week. But my point being is, is it's not just one thing. There's, it, it's, an, it's, it's literally pay, it's, an it's environment, a mental mentality thing. It's everything, isn't it? The, the chances, an, I mean, the two points I want to quickly make, the chances of making it as a pro are 0.001%. Yeah. With, with yes, I, I want them to, my, my, essentially my job is to help get your, your child to fall in love with a thing that I love doing. Yeah. So it's the best job in the world. It's, it's unbelievable, right? Because I'm a big kid, so I'll give you that <laughs> energy and, and get these kids to love it the way I do. Um, but there are life skills that they, they learn from it, yeah? Um, and you're saying about the points whereby, yes, so what will happen on a Sunday and then your child's going into that environment, but you don't even realise, but you are as a parent. Mm. You as a parent, of, and you, you won't understand this necessarily because obviously Arthur's playing out on pitch. You ask the mums and dads where their kids are just goalkeepers and you'll see that they probably sit separate to the outfield parents yeah, or slightly off, right? But when they come together... You ask them how they feel before. You ask the mums how they feel before games. You ask the mums when they get older. They, any time that ball's down the half, they can't watch. Yeah? Um, so, yes, the, the kids understand how each other feel, but the parents, it's, a, it's an environment for the parents as well. Yeah? yeah. They understand. Mom, well, the managers, the managers said this. What does that mean? Oh, we had that. We had this. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, can... a, it's a... It's and they are from the sessions that Arthur comes to. I know that the parents they're a great bunch mm. on the side, so I totally get where you're coming from. That you and it is it's a dedicated conversation to playing in goal, where it's like, oh, where yeah, my son plays on the wing. This, so yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, Absolutely, the, the, the feelings and that it's it's shared. Um, something that they can do as as parents, as I said, I was saying it earlier, that the, the kids understand full well regardless of whether they're six or seven years old. I mean, the youngest we've got is five, who the five-year-old we've got is, is extremely special. Um, I mean, what he, can do, what he can do at his age is, is crazy. But even at that age, they know when they've, when they've made a mistake. So when you get in the car, did you have fun? This is it. That, did you have fun? What did you do well? Do you want to go for something to eat? That's all you need to ask. You don't need to ask them what they've done wrong. You don't need to tell them what they've done wrong. You need to note it and you need to text your goalie coach and say, struggled with X, Y, Z. Okay. And then we'll work on that. Yeah. The, the kids then come into training, subconsciously, don't, they don't realise because they're, they're young, that we're putting stuff on for them to improve in a weak era, area, but they don't realise that's a weakness. So if it happens in a game, so if you don't like taking crosses, and I... I, I I'll, I'll man's up here because I had a bit of a stigma attached to my name. I didn't like, in my early career, I did not like dealing with corners and crosses. I'd never been coached how to do it. Ever. So yeah. I would get the timing wrong. I would uh, Stuff I would punch, I should catch. Stuff I should catch, I would punch. And I would drop balls. And, and then it became a bit like, just load it on the goalie because you can't deal with it. And then we just spent, it, like face to head on, like, just deal with this. So just session after session after se session, deal with crosses. Right, and that's hard because you're putting yourself in a position as an adult that really don't feel comfortable. When they're young, they don't realise it. So, if I told them in the car every time they shoot on the angle, like you've got to do this, you, you're in it. Then when that ball happens again, they're going to overthink it. Yeah, don't explain it. Let let us let us coach exactly. 
and that's yeah, no, yeah, I think that's great advice to be honest, mate. Um, and I and that's coming from someone like I've got to be honest, I've changed over the last five weeks. One reason because I've been watching. Yeah, I've 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 been in a fortunate position, like you say. I've got a little bit more closer than the other parents where I'm coming doing a bit of filming for you and stuff like that. Yeah. So so I've been managed to that, and then I'm obviously rewatching that so I can see how things are adapting. So I've taken that to our training sessions with our team. Now we had little Ernie who's just yep. started with yourself. Um, when he got on training on the other Saturday, when in goal, the ball hit him square in the stomach from I think it might have even been Arthur. Yeah. Went down, cries, tears. It it winded him. Yep. It hurt. He didn't like it. For the rest of that session, he kept trying to turn his back on the ball. Yep. Just explain to him, look, don't get it. If you don't look, you're gonna get it in the face and try yeah, like yeah. to make a thing. What I was proud of that we had a mental game the next day. And it was just one of them where everything was top bins from everybody. Yeah. So I think the final score was at like thirteen ten. Yeah, yeah. But I've got to be honest and say, I don't feel like any of that was like some people might go, oh, need a different goalkeeper. It's yeah. None of that was on him. Like if anything, there was four or five saves there that he made that were unbelievable. And you think, wow. But what I was so chuffed with and what I even pointed out to his parent or his mum yeah. and his granddad was he didn't turn his back once. No. He got over it. He was brave. He looked, he listened, and he done his... Yeah. And so I'm trying to take that positive look, approach as, we, as um, coach. As we're, as we're talking here, and I'm just thinking on the spot, so 13 10, Yeah. Yep. As in, you won 13 10? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's 10 opportunities where we can learn. Yeah. Ignore the fact that... It's grow, the grow, grow six inches. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, but, no, but I know no, what you mean. There's yeah. 10... Yeah. So if you've conceded... That's a great positive. If you come in, if you're, yeah. if you're sending me messages going, oh, so they won 7-0. Yeah, and I, and I genuinely get this all the time. One eight nil at the weekend. Did they go out on pitch? No. Well, they didn't. Give, they didn't. Even. Yeah. Get, get go to the manager because let's be honest. Every club I ever speak to, especially in a pro game, first thing to say what they like with their feet. It's a profile and what they like with their feet. So if you're winning four nil against a team that is struggling, let the goalie go in midfield. If it starts to get the four one four two, sticking back in goal. Yeah. But let him, let him or her get comfortable with their feet more so than just where they are in, in the goal. But if you turn around to me and say, oh, it's 4-2, lost 3-1, yeah, or good, because I can now coach, I, we can learn, we can grow from... So feedback Because I, I want the kids to win. I want them to have all the successes. But I also want them to, to lose. I want them to understand that if football isn't easy and that... Because if you keep winning... It's a little bit like uh, it's a bit cringy, but the, the Rocky feet, the eye of the tiger. You do though, you, you end yep. up. You take your eye off it, you lose it, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Where's this?" Like your, your training work ethic kind of dwindles a little bit because this is a bit easy, easy. Yep. And then the next person comes through and takes your spot because yeah, they've got that desire. So, I, I yeah, I like the fact that they're getting beat or that the games are five four or they, or they get in the face. Yeah. yeah, so they toe, they get in the face or they get in the stomach and your goalies. Right. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> I get used to it. I've got, I'll give him a little shout. We've got uh, Jack Walker coming come with us and bless him. I mean, there was a period when we had Jack Hill and his dad would back me up here. I think Jack Hill had about five weeks in a row where he took one in the nose. Right, it got to the stage that can we just stop aiming at Jack's face? <laughs> right. Or start using Poor your Jack. Hands, right? <laughs> but, um, but the other one, Jack, Jack Walker comes in the other week and... He took one, but he took one, and it was the best save I've seen him make, right? Because it was inst it was instinct, and it was everything we worked on. So he'd made a save, it's it come out, and it was a follow up, and he realised he couldn't smother the ball, but it was 
he wasn't in a position to be able to go into like a, a traditional uh, spread block. So he kind of went into, and the goalkeepers that are listening to this will understand, he kind of goes into a smother, but as he goes into a smother, he pulls his arms out, like, like almost like an eagle sort of shape, yeah? So he's got that chest and, and stomach's really open, cannons it on, on the stomach, but it comes back out. You know how I coach, yep. up, up, up. So he gets back up, next save, right? Now I can see he wants to go. Like he's ready to go. This is how you trigger the kids. Going close to him, I hunt, breathe, and just talk to him. And, and, and you can use your voice quite cleverly when you're coaching. Yeah. yeah so if, if I start talking calmly, right, Jack, look at me. You're okay. It's fine. I want you to do is just breathe through this next one. We're now going to do this set. He's now forgot that he wants to cry. Yeah. Because he's looking at me. Yeah. yeah. Moved on. And he's now starting to breathe. So you're fine. He goes in, does the next set, pulls off another worldie. Get to the end, and I'm like, do you realize what you just done? He goes home, and, and Phil, his dad, says he just spent the last hour telling uh, his mum about this save that he's made. Can you uh, feel, uh, can you understand how confident that boy's going to be now prior to his game on a Sunday? Yep. Just off of that. Yeah, little... it's brilliant. Like you say, and that's what my point goes back to, mate, is that there's more to investing the money, investing the time than just what people on the outside will just think, yeah. oh, it's another camp, it's another this, it's not, there's loads to it. And I've seen that firsthand. So in terms, well, I want a couple of last questions, a couple of questions. Yeah. In what would you say, not putting anybody down or whatever in the group, what's your proudest moment of the, of the sort of business so far? What, what would you, or the coaching, what would you say, like, is there a, a flagship where you say, like, can say someone, look, I've had this, like a success story. Do you story. know what? Um, I, I, and this isn't me sidestepping this genuinely isn't me sidestepping know, the fun. answer because I would say most people would go would talk about the boys that have been picked up by pro clubs yeah yep. I've got a lad that I coach that doesn't play right and um, and I'll use him as I'll use this one as a, this, as a, this isn't necessarily the proudest moment but I'll give you um, just for context and it was more of a social thing yeah so so as in so the parent and basically doesn't play football, not massively into it, but friends are into it. And it's more like, look, try and get into football for the so for the social side. Right? So I take him away. Couldn't train in front of mum. One of them ones. Yeah. Trains with me. Cup does. Starts off and I'm like, he's got a little bit about him, yeah? Okay. Doesn't understand football. Right? Wouldn't know what a position was on it yeah, wouldn't know what colour teams this was then wouldn't know what um, colour what teams played in and whatever so we then go a couple of weeks and I go to the mum I'm like right um, I'm going to put him in a group session and she's like oh, I don't know if he's ready he's fine you and me he'll be fine we put him in a small group session and he's like who am I with today I'm like you don't need to worry you're fine you move on two or three months he's in training with six in a group every single week. He's in going to school. He's got the football cards. He's got a football kit. He supports a team. He's now involved. He plays in football in the playground with the kids. So socially, you can see how that boy has now developed from goalkeeping. Yeah. Right? Now wants to join a team. We get to the stage now, he's an unbelievable goalkeeper. we just got to teach him football. Yeah? And it's, I'm, as I say, so how can, how, it would be unfair for me to say, I could name the boys. I've got Char Charlie Brown. He's in and around Southend. First team at the moment. Got a massive knockback from Colchester. Goes in the Southend. Absolutely killing it. 
Teddy Brown goes into Colchester, does really, really well. We get him out. He's now at Tottenham. Yeah, we've got Freddie Dowsett, who's at who's a, um, Watford, but he's been at Tottenham and West Ham, who's seven years old. Freddie's unbelievable what he can do. Dylan Wright at West Ham. I can name these yeah. boys, and there's, there's others I've, I've not mentioned here. But that's no bigger than than this one I'm, I'm mentioning. Or I get, in the summer, I had that, and I'm saying these ones, like Joey Ellis and, and Wilson and Buddy, the little group that Arthur comes in. Like That group, they, them boys all started the same. How good are they? Yeah, they're right? brilliant. So I'm just as proud of that. I'm looking at the uh, at the girls. I look at um, I've got Gracie. I go from Gracie Jarvis doing bits with uh, with Ipswich. I've look at like at Evie, Evie at the start. We we did a thing about and this is a real good tip for parents. And I got this from an England video whereby when Evie would play, we'd say um, count five good things, yeah, because she could do everything. It was just the confidence. So when one thing would go bad, she'd fall apart, right? So I'd go to Evie, right? What I want you to do? If you pass the ball, one. If you make a save, two. If you catch it, three. If the ball goes in, start again. And we keep counting. And she got to, she done that first game, gets man, uh, play the match. Get to the second game. She's like, Danny, do you know what my positives are? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I know. And she, I was like, do you? She went, I've done 23 positives, four negative. I'm like, you had a good game then, didn't you? Ends up getting player of the season. But yeah, okay, gets, sorry, gets, gets an awful year, like uh, yep. managed player. Now, when you say I was so proud, how can I say that over that yeah. or Harry Spencer, the way that he's grown, or Frank, that there's Jack, I say Jack Abbott when he first came in, when we made it, Jack was the, the, was the, I mean, when he, when he died, I mean, said this to Jamie, his dad was like, I'm thinking, what do I do here? Like, I've never coached anything like this. <laughs> I just, Jack, yeah. Jack's unbelievable what he can do now. So, so when you look at all of them, I know it's a long-winded answer to sidestep it. No, there, no, there, no, there really isn't a proudest moment. It is always nice. I must admit, when you get pro clubs reaching out, asking for us to send keepers to them, that makes me personally feel proud because it's like, right, all of the work that you guys have done, not me, because as I'm putting the sessions on and yes, yes, I deliver it and yes, I provide create the environment. But without the kids working like they do and improving, you haven't really got anything. Yeah. We don't get those emails or text messages or uh, or um, messages coming through saying, "Can you send us X, Y, and Z?" That all comes because of everybody that's part of this group. Part of it, and that's when you realise you created that from one goalie over a field with somebody else's footballs and cones. That's the bit you're like, "Yeah, I'm yeah. proud of this." I say, believe us or not, believe us, we both know that this, is, this podcast is very much off the cuff. There's no, like so we haven't really discussed yeah. what we're going to talk about. We're just taking it as it comes. And that, for me, is a perfect answer. Now, I didn't know what you were going to say. I, I knew from conversations we've had that you've had picked up by Spurs and yeah. cultures. I knew that. But that, it resonates because Arthur's story was very similar to the young lad that yeah. didn't know nothing about football. Yeah. Um, and it was heartbreaking as a parent to have your son come and go, they won't let me play. Well, but you don't really play football. Yeah, but I want to play now. But they've all played from three. Yeah. And now, I know they're only little, it's mad, but they can all kick a ball. They can all dribble with the ball. And obviously, anybody that's got a child knows that the first time they give them a ball, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Um, and he used to come home and be like, they don't let me play because I'm not very good. I'm not very good. And I've got to be all credit to Arthur. He spent... Probably ten months in the garden <laughs> kicking a ball for, to get better. If you to go play. back, if you go back to the very first start of the conversation when you spoke about my early pathway, yep. yeah, mindset, yeah, I 
um, adversity isn't a bad thing. Mm. Yeah. And and that's where you start to understand about whether these kids can go on and achieve something that's elite because you could go one or two ways there. He could, like, let's be blunt, he could melt. Yeah. Yeah. Or he can go, I'm going to make sure that I can play with you. So yeah. I'm going to go and do and that. And until we have this kind of conversation, this is why I love doing this podcast because you've now made me as his parent open my um, Exactly. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I didn't appreciate his hard work. Like, I do, but I don't, if that makes yeah. sense. Like, I see well, no, it, when it, he does it, things. Because your expectation increases. Yeah. So you want more. You're, and then, like, you say things that, and, and as I say, you look at six and seven year olds, and the one I'm talking about earlier, like, like with, uh, with Mason, the stuff that Mason has been able to, to, to learn. Given, as I say, having no interest in football prior, in six, seven months, he's unbelievable. But the expectation is better. So the well done's, uh, young grades are still there. But as you get older, they dry up a little bit. Show me something I haven't seen. Yeah. Mm. But that's for parents. But but with the young ones and, and for parents, you've still got to appreciate what, what I said earlier. These boys and girls will go to sleep. Arthur will go to sleep tonight and think he could genuinely wake up and be Batman. <laughs> like genuinely believes that he could wake up and that's possible. Yeah. yeah. So keep it fun, keep it sweet. And then when you yeah. look at him go, you're seven years old, you're eight years old and what you're doing is unbelievable. And as I say, and if it means that it really doesn't matter whether they're playing at a professional club or whether they're able to play football with their friends it's in the playground. That is what sport, take football out of it, that's what sport is about. Yeah. And it, and it is nice, like you said something to me when I, I when I first met you actually, and you said every child should should believe they're going to be a professional footballer yeah. because, and what you spoke about earlier, they'll get to an age when they realise they're only now playing for a contract, yeah. and and oh, that, it's, it's, that always stuck with me. And I've repeated that it, to many people. Yeah. Look, and because you do, you hear, oh, he should be doing this, he should be doing. That. I'm like, no. Nah. I love uh, listen. I love it, I love playing for Millwall, but you got to understand. I'm every week. You're, you're playing for a contract. Yeah. You're not playing for fun. You, you are, and it is fun, but you grow up really quick. And, and I've got one at the moment on, on trial at somewhere, and and the dad says to me, he, went, he phoned me last week, he went, you've stitched me up here. I said, how have I stitched you up? He says, you didn't tell me it was like this. I went, I did tell you it was like this. You underplayed what I said. Yeah. I was like, this is hard. Yeah, It is hard. And it will give you the best some of the best moments in your life, but it will give you some of the most testing. So before you get to that stage, enjoy it. Have so much fun. Yeah, I must admit, since since having chats with yourself, um, Scott Jones as well, yep. so having chats with him, he's been a great help. Um, and it's got to a point where um, I'm just letting him enjoy himself as a parent. Like I, I'm just, from my perspective, maybe say that's got no experience Arthur's already a better footballer than I ever was could get close to um, I have people come up to me and go oh, he's, he's technical abilities this is like, I've got no idea if they're bullshitting me or they're telling me yeah. the truth because I wouldn't know what a good technique is yeah. if it I've sported West Ham for Christ's sake <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I haven't been blessed to watch quality for many many years you but, have <laughs> but then they, you have but then they leave at their retirement they, yeah they leave but away. you know what I mean yeah. like I all joking aside it, it, I wouldn't know um, I had a spell like probably Every parent does. Oh, maybe he's playing. Maybe he could play higher. Maybe he could do this. Maybe he could do that. that and I was time. like, yeah, but he's with his friends. Mm -hmm. He's having fun. Like he runs off. He loves the fact that on a more occasion he can score more than one goal in a match. Yeah. To be fair to him, he just as committed, even if he don't score. Yeah. 
So it's 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 that. Why take that away and put him in a in an environment where he might not get that fun at this age? Like I say, he's seven and a half coming up eight. For Christ's sake, it's it's mental that you, as parents we do. But I do. I, do, I would be well, lying if I'd look in the eye and say I'd be lying if I didn't say it's football. You, you, get caught, you get caught up in it, and there's as I said, there's so there's so much out of there, and it's almost like to keep up with the Joneses. Well, they're doing this, so we got to do this, and we're doing they're doing that, so we've got to do that. And I mean, from a goalkeeper's standpoint, I do understand it with some of the parents. If your child is coming with me. They're serious about this. Mm. They are serious. They want to progress. Doesn't mean that they want to win every week. Doesn't mean that their team have to be top of the league. But when they get to training, when they're out with their teams, they don't just want to do five sides. Yeah, they do want you ask, and and there is that fine line because you as parents, you are volunteers, and that's the main thing. Without without dads like yourself doing it, they ain't got a team, right? So people do need to appreciate that. <sighs> Coaches give up a lot of time with their own families, their own children, to try and benefit other people's children. Yeah. But if you are going to take that position up as a volunteer, but to coach, realize you are coaching, so yeah. you are still there to try and teach. And whether what your methods are right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Just buy into like I'm sure there's stuff like I do that other coaches look and go, oh, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And there's certain stuff that other coaches do, and I'm like, I wouldn't do it. But there's also stuff that others do, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to nick that because that's really good. And you find your own way yeah. of making it fun, but also informative. So they, you are still teaching football. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if your child went to, I think I've said, I can't remember I said the other day, but if your child went to, I know a lot of the kids from Grays do the, the kickboxing at um, Locks, that Locks Martial Arts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of guys, uh, kids go there. I've got quite a few that, that do that. And, from my understanding, they get graded. Now, if your child comes out and goes, because yeah, obviously parents aren't allowed to watch, yeah? so you go, they go, did you have fun? And they go, yep, yep, yep. They get to the grading and don't pass. You're going to ask, well, what's going on? As much as you're having fun, you're yeah, you still got to pass that grade. You still, you still <laughs> got to, still got to, de uh, to develop. So, without contradicting what we're saying, it does need to be fun, but you still want to see a steady level of improvement. Yeah, no. to be they, they need to do rise, their part. Yeah, it does need to be a slight right. Yeah, need they, to be they, like you say, they they need to put their effort in. Um, and like I say, I think most parents will see that from their children. You know, so how can people follow you, get hold of you? What's the best way? So um, obviously we've got Instagram, Facebook, and a website. So the website is www.effectivegoalkeeping.co.uk, um, and then the Instagram handle is at Effective Goalkeeping, and then the Facebook page is Effective Goalkeeping. Um, so you probably see some adverts floating around anyway, so you can put some information on now. We'll get back to you. Um, but otherwise, just drop us a message. My phone number's on there, so my phone number's 07852242846. Um, yeah, just just anyway, really, just give, give us a call. Um, give us a call or drop us a message. We'll have the conversation. I mean, typically, I'm, I'm obviously going to say what we said here, really, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and explain the process. Um, and obviously, you can have a look at YouTube. On, uh, on our page there effective goalkeeping um, that gives you some real good insight I'm not just saying this because you put the videos <laughs> together but that will give people a real good insight on what it is we do and, and how we work it's all well and good us spending the, the last hour or so chatting about what we do um, if you can see it it's, it's really strange just touching on the videos they work so well. Like when you first said to me, Andy, come along, I would want it raw. I don't want uh, silky tripods. I don't want, I just want to feel people feel in the action. I watch them back now and it's, 
I think it's great. It's I think it's because it does feel like you're, you're in the there. training. You're in the training session and it's going well. Yeah, you don't want it to be too manufactured or you're trying to watch it and you like can't really see what's happened. I want you to be there. I want you to. I want you to be able to see when I'm talking to the kids. I want you to see their faces. I want you to yeah. see how they react to what I say. I want you to kind of see my reaction to what they do. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad, I, I want you to be able to see the way they interact with each other. There's some, there's some beautiful moments in those clips where I didn't even notice because I'm setting bits up and the kids are interacting and you're like, you like the boys and boys are in this clip. I'm like, you live nowhere near each other. You're not going to in the same catchment. So you won't go to school together, but you get on really well. When you get to 18, 19 and you go out, you could end up going out. To, do you know what I mean? You yeah. Out, like, it's, it's a little bit like, and you think that's come from us. Yeah, just building that forward. Build, building that building that community and that, that environment. Yeah, no, perfect. No, mate, generally, thank you for coming on, doing this. Um, like I say, I think it goes hand in hand with where I want to take this podcast because I want to cover all different areas. And I think this is a, a good topic. Um, I think what you've got going is brilliant. Um, appreciation from me as a dad, anyway, because I see the difference changing Arthur. So thank you for that. And keep him under wraps like I say it's nice to see him have discipline because when I tell him to do something on a Saturday in training I just get jogged on <laughs> so he knows he knows how to play me and get around me and whatever else so it is nice for me to see my son work hard and actually and he gives a shit what you think yeah. like he cares so if I say even to the point where I do have leverage where I'll be like well I'll just tell Danny no 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 yeah. and I think that's great so I appreciate everything it's doing I can't recommend you enough um, I do recommend you. Um, I think even John was a recommendation. That's with little Carter. Yeah. That's um, gone on to good, good things. Um, so I will continually do that personally, mate. Um, and I wish you all the success. Oh, I really appreciate it. Um, so because I'm looking for sponsorship from Greg's because I'm I like eating food. <laughs> we have a thing at the end of the podcast. You've got and give me three items. You can only buy three from Greg's. What are you buying? Easy, easy. Uh, bacon omelette roll with ketchup. Uh, vanilla latte and a pan of chocolate. Oh, there you go. Pan of uh, chocolate. I will it. be in the office. <laughs> I will be in the office tomorrow and I will be getting that on the way in. <laughs> the last guy said, uh, I'll have two sausage rolls and a jam donut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, you can, don't they do a deal with sausage rolls as well, though? I think, it's like, I think you get four. Like four yeah, that class is one. You can have yeah, four. That's one, one item, isn't it? It's sad that we know this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone says to me, Why do you, what's with the Greg's question? I was like, I'm looking for sponsorship, mate. And if I can have a free Greg's every morning, I'm having it. 100%. 100%. <laughs> nah, brilliant. But thank you very much, mate. Top man. Thank you. Cheers. Perfect. Cheers.